so good to be with you on this super chilly morning. I don't know if any of you had to get up and get out and get into a car this morning and uh, let that car warm up, but it was a little cold. It was a little cold, but you know what? Uh, Jesus certainly warms our hearts, doesn't he? Uh, I love that worship set that we had this morning. It was great to have a couple of songs from our very own Cornwall worship team in the mix there, uh, just helping us connect with God today. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed the 21 days of prayer that we've been going through, and more so in the midst of the fact that we haven't been able to actually meet during this 21 days of prayer, our whole focus was on, Lord, make us one. Make us one with you, God. Make us one with each other. In unity, may we as a church be together in our pursuit of who God is and how he's moving us forward. And I pray that as you have, in whatever way you did, uh, take on the challenge of, of this uh, prayer and fasting time, that God spoke to you, that God drew you closer to himself, and even in the midst of separation from each other, you felt a connectedness to the purpose, the plan that God has for us here in Cornwall, that you felt a connectedness to others in our community, that you reached out and you were praying for and caring for those in our community uh, who maybe need love at this time. And even though the fast is over, even though we're done uh, technically with that, the fasting and praying as a church movement, let's not stop with the heart that God has put in us to be one. Let us not stop praying that we would be unified in how we approach God for our city. And let's continue that on because it was not a 21-day focus. That is a lifelong focus that we would be one with the Father and one as the body of Christ, moving as he would have us move. So let's do that together. Let's continue with praying and seeking to be one with God and each other. Now, as we transition our, our messages on Sundays, I just want to talk us through a few things that Jesus said and prayed both to and for us in John 17. And John 17 is kind of where we've been basing uh, our, our theme in our series out for the last, the last few weeks. And it says here in John, it says this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. See there, we are, we are adopted into God's family, and we've become joint heirs with him. That This earth is not our home. Our kingdom, our home, our place of residence is actually heaven. And yet here we are on earth. And while we're on earth, let's, follow, let's continue on. He asked that, that God would sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, and you sent me into the world, and so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. We are sanctified in the truth of who God is, of God's word, and Jesus has consecrated himself so that we may be sanctified in truth with him. And he goes on to say, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And that's specifically talking about us. Generations removed from that, that moment that Jesus was praying, 
his foreknowledge, knowing that the word and the gospel would go forth. And here we are in 2021, having received that word and believing, he prays for us that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And isn't that our cry? That because of the way we live, because of our unity with the Father and with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and with each other, that those around us would see us, how we act, how we live, the difference that God is making inside of us because of that sanctification through his truth, and they would believe that God has sent Jesus to the world, and we are his emissaries at this time. See, for us to live, to be one, we need that truth, which leads us to something else that Jesus said, namely about the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus declared himself, right? He declared himself the way, the truth, and the life. But then he went on to say this. He says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See that in John 14, 26, 24 to 26. And Paul later, he would, he would make similar remarks talking about the Spirit and how it leads us. He says this in Romans 8, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Again, we hear that we are adopted into uh, the family of God and that our, our kinship is not here on earth but in heaven. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We are adopted into God's family. By the Spirit, we have our place in God's family where we can cry out to him, Daddy, Father. Such a unique and awesome thing that we have through what Jesus has done and what the Holy Spirit makes possible. Now, for us to walk in that truth, to walk in Jesus, to be one, to walk as that adopted son or daughter of God in Jesus, we need more than just opinions about how to do so. We need more than just experiences or education about it, degrees or even doctrines that talk about how to walk out this life with God, to be one with God and be in the truth. As wonderful as all these things are, the scriptures that we just read point us to something we need. I know I need the Holy Spirit. Which is why there's a three-word prayer that has been a part of the church's existence from day one. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. In my thinking, in my feeling, my relationships, uh, all the things that I try to be successful with, Holy Spirit, come. Lead me. Be in these things. Be in my repentance. Be in my joy. Be in my worship. Be in my sorrow. Holy Spirit, be a part of everything in all that I am. Here's what's true 
of each of us today. Each and every single one of us. We are all walking in a way. There's all a way that we walk. There's there's a style in which we walk, and I'm not talking about like whether you walk like you're all cool or something like that. There is a pattern of life that we choose to follow, the way that we're walking in. And ironically, uh, we call ourselves Christians now, and, and we've splintered that even into de- denominations and things like that. But in the, the origin of our faith and of the early followers of Jesus, what they called themselves was the way following in the way of Jesus. And we are all walking in a way which requires grace and truth to live, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us to walk in the way of Jesus, to look more like Jesus. We can't just replicate it in our own strength and try to mimic him in our own strength. It just doesn't work. We fall short every single time. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can come close to achieving the the way that Jesus wants us to live. You see, as, as a group, as a community, as the body of Christ, I know I'm not, and I hope you're not praying that God would make our city, make Cornwall look more like us. Instead, we are asking and walking in humility, asking that God would make our city more like Jesus. That what the, the, any spirit realm or our presence over the city, over who we are, would not be replicating who we are, but replicating who Jesus is. And that the presence of Jesus, his Holy Spirit, would be what is felt in this place. So what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives? What does it look like for us to rely on the Holy Spirit to walk in the way of Jesus? It takes the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and walking in step with the Spirit. The power, the gifts, the fruit, and walking in step with the Spirit. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, even as far as Cornwall. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And in Acts 2, One to four, it says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And from this point, the 120 that were gathered in that upper room who had yielded control of themselves to experience the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in, a, in a supernatural way and receive a supernatural power to share the gospel and to grow to be more like Jesus. 
And we saw this. The first evidence of this was as they spilled out of the room, speaking in different tongues, a gift of the Spirit. At that time, they had never experienced anything like this before. When Jesus had told them that a comforter would come, the Spirit would come, he gave them no indication of what would happen, of how they would receive the Spirit, and what this would change or give them the ability to do, or how they would be empowered by the Spirit in order to live out this mission. They were told to wait and receive the Spirit. And that spirit that they received, this experience that, that occurred with them, would happen again and again, so much so that it is the experience which helps the early church discern what is happening, not only in Jewish, the Jewish culture, but also in Gentile circles, and that it is of God, the spirit being poured out. Here's, here's what we need to remember, though. And that I would speak to our church, to, to us in Cornwall here, that the Holy Spirit cannot be divided from truth. The Holy Spirit is the triune God. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if all truth comes from the Father, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, then the Spirit and what the Spirit brings cannot be divided from the truth of who God is and what God wants to do. The truth of the character of God, the principles of God, and what God asks of us cannot be separated from what the Spirit wants to do in and through His church. The Holy Spirit can't be divided from truth. The supernatural aspects of what the Spirit brings to our lives as a community doesn't mean those things lack truth. Even though they operate in the supernatural realm and in realms that we don't fully always comprehend and understand, it does not mean they are apart from the truth of who God is. Because remember the scripture that we read earlier. The, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The truth that Jesus is, the truth that Jesus gave them, the Holy Spirit brings us to remembrance of those things. The Holy Spirit teaches us those things. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live out those truths in our everyday lives. Now, I'm sure if you've been in church for any length of time, or if you're even new to church, some parts of the church don't believe that the Holy Spirit is active in the same way that we see in Acts today. And we as Life Center would disagree with that and fully believe that the Holy Spirit is active in working in ministry in our lives. And we're still a part of the family of God. All of us are a part of the family of God, seeking His truth and who He is. Now, the gifts of the Spirit, which we talked about all through our summer series uh, and are on our website and our podcast. And I highly encourage you to go back and listen to them again if you didn't get a chance to listen to them. We broke down different gifts each week, and it's a great series. Uh, just helping unpack those again for you. And if you want to go through those again, I highly recommend you go back to the podcast and, and take a listen to us working through all the gifts of the Spirit. 
Because whether it is the love gifts, the word gifts, or the power gifts, those gifts uh, of the Spirit, they should have the fruit of the Spirit being evident in our walks as well. If God is going to gift us those gifts, if he's going to give us supernatural gifts, whether, like I said, be love gifts, word gifts, power gifts, those gifts should be accompanied by the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, what it says in Galatians 1, and then a little later in 22 to 26, it says this, for freedom... Christ has set us free. Remember earlier we said that the spirit, uh, we haven't been given a spirit of fear or be put back into slavery, but instead we've been, uh, we've been given the spirit of Christ. And so here we are, the the, for freedom, Christ has set us free to stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Because we're not going back to having to live under a law and under, the, under a rule system and, and be, be condemned by the very law that was meant to show us who God is and how he is going to save us. Instead, Christ has set us free by his sacrifice and by his grace. And now we get to live in the fruit of the Spirit because of that. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is what? There is no law. There is no yoke of slavery against the fruit of the Spirit. Instead, we get to, we get to allow the Spirit to, to grow these things in our lives and see it produce a rich harvest in our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I'm assuming here everyone has gone for a walk at some time. Specifically now when it feels like we're all stuck in our homes and staying at home and we're, we, we have that like tension. We just have to get out and go somewhere and do something. And you, you want to go for a walk and maybe you, you have a social distanced walk with a, a friend or a spouse or somebody. And when you're walking... Depending on who you're walking with and how tall they are, how long their legs are or whatever, I'm sure you quickly notice the cadence and the step and the walk that they have and whether or not you have the same one. Maybe you've seen it uh, walking around or, or you've, you've experienced somebody who has shorter legs, a shorter inseam with short legs, and they're walking with somebody who has really long legs. And the person who's walking with long legs just seems to be taking a casual stroll out in the neighborhood. And the person with short legs seems like they're power walking beside them because their pace and their, their gait that they have is so different, Right. Fortunately for myself and my wife, Ingrid, we have almost the exact same uh, inseam or instep so that our pace and our, our cadence can be the same, except that 
that Pastor Ingram, my wife, she loves to walk with a purpose. So everywhere she goes, even if we're just going to go through a stroll near our house, there's a pond, that there's a pathway around it. And we, let's just go out for a walk this evening. And she gets out there and she's like walking like she has to get somewhere really fast. And, and I'm looking at her like, let's just enjoy the walk. Like, where do you have to be? Like, do we have to get back in time for something? Like, did you not go to the bathroom before we left? Like, what is going on that you're, <laughs> she's just walking with purpose. And I'm like, slow down. Let's just like enjoy our time together here walking. But I don't know if she thinks every walk has to be an exercise walk where her heart rate gets to a certain level, but she likes to walk. And so we, we constantly have this tension of like, how fast are we going to walk on our walks? Maybe you've experienced that too. And if you haven't, maybe you've even just seen those cartoons where there's like a big dog walking and the little dog walking beside it. And the little dog's feet are going a mile a minute and it's like jumping over top of the big dog and stuff like that. And you've, you've, you notice that walking in step with somebody faster or slower or trying to keep it the same pace as them. You know what I mean when I say that. And now we're supposed to do that with God, right? If we're going to live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we want to grow in love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if we want to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. In this era, because uh, of most, most of the transportation, when, when the authors are writing, they had to walk everywhere. Very few people had horses or chariots or anything like that, donkeys. Most of your transportation, most of the time you went, anytime you got on the, the highway from one town to the other, it was a walkway. And you were walking from one place to another. And so it became a metaphor for how, for life for them, right? Uh, like, like when we talk about, you know, oh, I just put it on cruise control. And we, we, we know that as a metaphor for life where we're just cruising through life. And we've just said it and we just forget it. And we just travel along at the pace and the speed. They used walk in. They used keeping in step uh, as a metaphor for life. To walk in would imply two things. It would imply direction, the way you're walking, like how you're going, and also the empowerment of whose power or whose authority or, or whose style are you walking in. If you're going to walk in the way of Jesus, it was to be empowered and walk in the direction of Jesus and the, the philosophy or the lifestyle of Jesus. But also, if you were taken on by a teacher, that would mean they have empowered you to walk in their way. That they have, they have tasked you with following them and walking the way they would. Which means how we make our decisions, how we make our choices, and who and what empowers our decisions and choices, that's who we are keeping in step with. That can be Jesus for us, but that can also be other things that we try to keep in step with. Because whatever is trying to inform our choices, our decision, empowering our decisions, who's leading us, those things, those people become who we are trying to keep in step with. In the same passage, the Bible points out that there's these two present uh, tensions that we face or, or, or things that we face. 
uh, in our lives. The Holy Spirit that we're supposed to be in step with. But also the desires of our flesh. Remember how it said that uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires so that we can live by the Spirit. So we have this tension of the Holy Spirit and the desires of our flesh that are at war with who is going to lead us. And the Bible paints this picture that as we walk through life, there's this conflict, this war happening between the two of them, trying to get us to walk at their pace and use their power. In Galatians 5, 17, it says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, if you're familiar with Paul and his writing, because he's writing here to the church in Galatia, but if you're familiar with his writing, there's a, a passage in Romans that, that he expands on this in his own life where he's talking about the things that he wants to do and the things he doesn't want to do and how he, he wants to do certain things, but the very thing inside of him is fighting against that to make him do the things that he doesn't want to do. And he's so perplexed by it and he's, he feels overcome by it. And he's like, who can save me from this but Jesus? There's this war that we feel inside of us about what to do and what not to do and who to follow and who not to follow. And then it creates this tension. Walking in the Spirit means you feel this tension. When you try to go the way of Jesus, you're going to feel that tension because, because you're denying your flesh. You're denying that nature inside you that just wants to do whatever it wants to do. And you feel that tension. Walking in the flesh means you feel a little less tension because you're just going with what feels right inside in the moment. God whispering to you, calling you, asking you to follow him he doesn't want to lay guilt trips on you. He doesn't want to lay condemnation on you in following him. He wants that pursuit of who he is in your life to be authentic and true and based out of love and who he is and what he's done for you, not based out of any rules or laws or regulations that you feel condemned if you don't follow them. And so when we feel the, the pull of the flesh nature of who we are inside ourselves, we feel less tension because we're just going with what feels good and feels right versus feeling the tension of the Spirit saying, follow me, keep in step with me, walk with me, deny yourself and follow me. Because this tension of flesh isn't, and spirit isn't a, a Christian versus non-Christian thing. It's not that if you're a Christian, then you're going to automatically just easily walk in the spirit. And if you don't know Jesus yet, you're going to have all these fleshly desires that are leading you. And, and that's where the, the, the split happens. It's a human tension that we face. And even if you do know Jesus even if you have asked Jesus into your heart and you're trying to follow him, you can still feel that tension and feel the pull of your flesh nature, of the human desire. You can have a bunch of gifts of the Holy Spirit and yet not have a lot of fruit evident in your life. Think of that. Think of, think of uh, Peter 
early in Peter's ministry, he had been he was in that upper room when when the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, and, and the gifts came upon them. And he's one of the early apostles of the church and leaders of the church. And as the Gentiles were were uh, those who weren't Jewish or weren't Israeli by birth or Hebrew by birth, those who who were outside of that nationality, as they were coming to know God in a saving grace in a saving way, there was tension between those within Israel who were Jewish and those who weren't. And what kind of uh, conditions were there to be placed on people who were not Jewish? And there's, there's this tension of how to do that. And Peter, even though he had the gifts of the Spirit and could discern things and had uh, words of wisdom from God, knowledge from God, and, and was operating in miracles and, and signs and wonders, even though he had all these things, he still felt that tension and would go to one camp and act one way and then go to another camp and act the other way. He would act one way around Jewish people and another way around Gentile people. And he was living this tension out that wasn't really showing the fruit of the Spirit, of walking in step with the Spirit. We even see the reason why Paul is writing to this church in Galatia is because because even in that church, they could feel the tension between the spirit and the flesh. He's, tell, he's telling them the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. He's trying to remind them that this tension is going to exist and they need to work their way through it. Now, is it healthy to have gifts of the spirit and, and not be showing fruit of the spirit? Absolutely not. That is not God's intention at all. And yet in the midst of it, God doesn't seem to give gifts and take them away if we're not producing fruit. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to do so. In Romans 12, 11, 29, it says that God's gifts and calling are irrevocable. And that's why when we walk in the Spirit, there is this tension. Walking in step with the Holy Spirit leads us in a life of discipline where our intimacy or proximity with God produces the fruit that we talked about. Now, why doesn't God revoke those things? Why, why does God allow people with gifts of the Spirit to operate with those gifts? Why does he allow them to do so if they're not going to do so with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? Why can people act and operate in these gifts without those things? That's a great question that we can ask God. Maybe it's because he doesn't want seeking after his gifts to be tied to following rules and regulations and saying, God, look, I did everything right. Can now I have a gift? Can, now, can I have a gift now, God? Because I'm doing everything right. I've, got it, I've, I've done all the X's and O's. I've got them all right. I'm doing everything right. So now you'll give me a gift, won't you? And maybe he doesn't want it to be tied to that, but instead he wants his love to be poured out on us because we're broken, flawed people, and he wants to pour out his good gifts on us, and he wants to say, listen, I know you're flawed. I know you're broken. I know that you rely on my spirit for life itself, and because of that, I'm still going to give you good gifts like a good father. I'm not going to require you to be perfect because I'm requiring something you cannot do in and of yourself, and so I give you gifts, not for your own good, but for the common good and for my glory. And God's prayer is that we would as well walk in step with his spirit. And that's where this tension 
lies. It made me think of David in, in Psalm 119, the longest chapter of the Bible. What is it? What is it geared towards? What is it dedicated to? Walking in step with the will of God, the rules and regulations of God, which in David's time, which is pre-Christ, pre-having that spirit walking inside you and being inside you. David, in the best way he can, is saying, God, I know that your presence in my life can only be found by being as close to you as possible, by studying your way, studying your rules, studying your law, and embracing it so closely and so tightly that I'm walking in step with you as close as I possibly can. I love your law and I love your rules. Why? Because they show me who you are. The precepts of God, the rules of God show us the, the principles of God, which lead us to the person of God. And David discovered that and he just loved it so much. So much so that it produced him in him a life that God would say, about David, that he was a man after his own heart. That it was as close as he could get to following and walking in step with the Spirit before the Spirit was poured out after Jesus had come. And for those of us who believe that the gifts of the Spirit are a part of Christian life, we need to do a better job of holding ourselves accountable to truth, to Jesus. That if, if you prophesy something that's not true, it requires repentance. If you operate in any of the gifts and you operate in them without allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in your life, you need to come before God and you need to ask Him to help you to walk in step with the Spirit to produce fruit so that your gifts that God has given you to, for the common good of, uh, of your church, of the community, of our city, that those gifts that God has given you would be given out in concert with the fruit of the Spirit. Church, I hope you hear me this morning. Hear me today that the gifts of the Spirit, they're not tied to the fruit of the Spirit as far as a condition for having them but they should be tied to the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts that we say, God, may I operate in your gifts only as your fruit is produced in me. May how you lead me to use your gifts be used in, in with the fruit of the Spirit. May love and joy and peace be coming out of me as I use these gifts for others. The gifts of the Spirit, they're not directly tied to the fruit of the Spirit. Because God doesn't want us, like I said, to try and earn the gifts so that we don't fall into this life of works instead of faith. And we need to recognize that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, recognize the fruit of the Spirit will always be there. But there will come a day when the gifts are no longer needed. When all of earth is restored to God the Father. When wisdom of God is known to us. When the Spirit no longer needs to prophesy regarding the Father because we are with the Father in His presence. Then we will no longer need gifts of healing and miracles. We will no longer need uh, prophecy and discernment because we are with God face to face. But what will remain in those moments? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, because they are the very character of God. 
that we want to live out. They will remain. Right after Paul gives this great speech about all the gifts that are available to us through the Spirit for common good and God's glory, he then stops and says, if I have any of those gifts, but I don't have love, the very first fruit of the Spirit, if I don't have love, everything is meaningless. Meaningless. Fruit needs to be a part of our activation of the gifts of the Spirit. Church, we don't need a building. We don't need a stage where the gifts of the Spirit can be displayed because the spiritual gifts don't need stages. They need stewards. They need people who can look at the gifts that God's given them and know that it's not theirs. Rather, they are responsible for its care and its use for how the owner of that gift and the giver of that gift intended. We need to learn to be naturally supernatural, like the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are for everyday life in ministry, not just Sunday ministry. God wants his gifts to be poured out on his people, not in a Sunday church setting only. Yes, we invite Holy Spirit, come in this setting. Every Sunday, meet with us as we gather together, even if it's virtually, help us to know who you are and how you're moving. And may your gifts be evident in our midst. And yet, as we go from this place, even virtually as we go, may your gifts go with us. May your fruit be evident in our lives. We need to remember that the gifts don't equal the fruit. The gifts don't trump the fruit, and the gifts don't outlast the fruit. What could it look like for us to seek the gifts of the Spirit to be used in our everyday lives for common good of all and the glory of God? What could it look like for that to happen in concert with the Holy Spirit producing fruit in our lives as we walk in step with the Spirit? See, following Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowering our decisions, our choices, our confessions, our repentance looks like walking a life experiencing that tension of having to consistently, consistently die to self to allow Christ to live in us and through us. It is this tension which makes us strong, resilient, developing a Christ like character in us, with us becoming more like Jesus. And I love how it says in Galatians, right after uh, the portion of scripture that we had just read, and, and he says something that is often very contrary to how we try to work things through, even within the church, and how we try to restore each other and build each other up. It says this in Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness, one of the fruit of the spirit. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now remember what I had read uh, previously in, uh, in, the, in, their, in Galatians uh, 5, 26. It says this, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What is that speaking of? with the gifts of the Spirit, that we become conceited in the gifts that God's given us, provoking one another, causing others to become envious or our, ourselves to be envious of somebody else's gifts. But instead, if we're walking in step with the Spirit, we don't allow that to happen. 
We don't allow it to, to take foot in our lives and, and, and grab hold of us. Instead, in gentleness and humility, we walk out uh, the gifts that God has for us. And then when there is moments where we do cross lines and boundaries and we don't respect each other's gifts and we do have envy or conceit or strife between us, it's in gentleness, the spirit of gentleness, that we lift each other up and restore each other. With the fruit of the Spirit, we embrace each other, drawing us back to God and restoring our pace in our being in step with the Spirit. When we pray, Holy Spirit, come, we are praying for the person, the power, the gifts, the fruit, and the pace of the Spirit to be present in how we are empowered to make decisions and make choices today. When we walk in step with the Spirit, we experience that conflict, that tension of our old sin nature daily having to die to ourselves, a tension between doing things in our fleshly desires and becoming who God truly desires us to be. Like I said, daily we die to self and we pick up our cross. We see living as self-rulers, not as something to be desired, but rather we submit and allow the Holy Spirit to set our pace and to set our course. Who is it that I walk with? Who is it that we walk with today? Who do you walk with? To discover your walking partner, who you are in step with, just look at your decisions. Look at your choices, not your intentions. We often have great intentions where I intended to do this. I wanted to do this. I always, I always thought I was going to respond in love or, or care. But look at our decisions and our choices to see who we're walking in step with. Our sin nature, our flesh nature, or the spirit. To discover who your walking partner is and who you're in step with. Who and where do you turn for validation? When you're looking to see, am I doing it right? Am I staying in step? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Who do you turn to to get that nodding approval or that, that well done or that's the right way to go? Is it Jesus? Is it the Spirit? Or is it somewhere else that you're looking for validation in how to live? This week, pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come and examine where my life is today. For me, I look at it, my decisions. What decisions have I made or do I need to make? And how does the Holy Spirit impact those decisions? In my dis disciplines, what choices am I making regarding my time, my abilities, and my finances? How does the spiritual disciplines affect those disciplines? How do I allow being in step with the Spirit impact those disciplines? And in my desires, where am I experiencing tension? Where have I lost Spirit-empowered tension? Where do I not feel God pulling me in that tension of having to let go of my, my human side in order to let God have reign in my life? Where do I not feel that? Where is it too easy for me just to do what I feel like doing? Ask if God can do something there. So we listen. We say, Holy Spirit, come. And then we stop and we listen 
to what the Holy Spirit says to us, to walk in step with the Spirit. As we close today, we're going to have a song uh, again to help us close. Again, just to help us meditate on what the Holy Spirit is saying, to help us draw close to him and allow him to move. So I'm going to pray. We'll hear the song, and then Pastor Ingrid, Ingrid will come up and close our service today. God, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that you did promise one who would come after you that would remind us and teach us in your truth. And not only help us remember everything we need from you, God, but also empower us to live the life that you have for us. And that's not just spiritual gifts that you empower us to have. Yes, it is that, but it is also empowering us through your fruit being evident in our lives. It's fruit you produce in us as we discipline ourselves to walk in step with you. God, may your gifts and your fruit be evident in our lives as we walk in step with you today. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come to Life Center Cornwall. Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Holy Spirit, reveal all the ways in which we have not yet crucified our flesh to you so we can walk in step with you today. Holy Spirit, come.